Wait a minute, fellas. I was just thinking. I really don't want to see the wizard this much. I'd better wait for the outside. What's the matter? Oh, he's just as scared again. Don't you know the wizard's going to give you some courage? I'd be too scared to ask him for it. So what are you saying, Bishop? They're all related. Whether they're Rothschilds, Annenbergs, Cats and Birds, all these birds and demons, they're all related. The Mats, the Reneers, that's not in his real name. And they just think it's a game. But that's not that's not the truth. That's not the reality. And it's it's a reality that they're gonna find out, much to their dismay. Uh, probably sooner than later I, I it's just it just boggles my mind because you know two thousand years ago people would take the the existence of spirits and demons and so on you know very seriously and these are extremely intelligent people you know uh, advanced mathematicians is they, I, i'll fight that guy too i'll fight his grandkids where's his grandkids <laughs> i'm kicking his grandkids dicks just go that's where your grandpa being a piece of shit Mainstream media over and over and over again saying dark winter, dark winter, dark winter. It's going to be a dark winter. It's going to be the darkest winter in modern U.S. history. Dark winter, dark winter over and over again all the time. That word means something to the national security state. You are? I don't believe you. All right. Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Roland Solo, today without my co-host, Jameson P., or that knucklehead Adam. But that's all right, because our guest today is fantastic. Her name is Maria from the My Maria 777 podcast. She is semi-anonymous. And that is because she has an awesome career that she's going to tell us about. Uh, Maria, welcome. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, I um, I got to say, I enjoyed your episode with Sam on the uh, Tinfall Hat Patreon. We got to get you on the uh, the main show eventually, maybe in January. But yeah, interesting stuff, Maria. What okay. got you into podcasting i noticed you started your podcast in july and um what what kind of got you into the decision to start your own podcast well i I, i've had my account for about almost three years now in or excuse me almost two years what am i saying uh in march no i guess it will be three years god damn i can't do math right now fuck (laughs) i haven't even smoked this next joint yet three years in march and I, when I started my account, I was just, um, I found like there was like a hole in the market. Like everybody was talking about all this legal stuff. Uh, this kind of whole like great awakening, you know, is Q real? All these different things are kind of like inextricably intertwined with the law. And so everybody was talking about it and sharing fake indictments and all this stuff. And I was just like, wow. Um, initially I made my account just because I didn't want people to see who I was following on my personal account. And I was like, I just want to like 
school some people and just like if somebody sees this this is great and if not because there's nobody knows what they're talking about and so that's how i why i made the account to begin with and then as it grew people liked my perspective and what i had to say on the legal stuff and i got asked for a podcast for a really long time and i thought about it and i thought about it and i planned all these um, episodes and researched all these subjects probably like a year and a half ago and just never really pulled the trigger on it. And so uh, it was a long time coming, but it, it, it lends to the, like the anonymity of it all as well. You know, it like I can still be myself over in the attorney world and then I can be Maria on this world and I, it, it helps in that way, but I don't know. I like podcasting. It's so much fun. Yeah. I agree. And uh, you have about, what, 40 episodes now? So you're definitely hitting it hard. That's awesome for oh, right. starting in July. I should introduce my own podcast. Uh, so this will be episode 43 of the My Maria 777 podcast. And uh, yeah, I started, it says July. Technically, it was like the last day of July. So I kind of qualify it as August but uh, yeah, 43 episodes, got almost 100,000 downloads in that time. So I'm really wow. proud of it. And just kind of talking about things that nobody talks about. That's just all I want to do. Yeah, I mean, that's <clears throat> kind of where the inspiration for the name came from with my podcast. I mean, my family barely cares, let alone knows what I'm talking about when I get into conspiracy theories or anything like that. I used to have a podcast called The Bud Triangle, which was more about me schooling my friends as we smoked weed, but that... <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of like the network name now, but uh, yeah, my family thinks I'm crazy is is truer than uh, people know. I think my friends are are much more open-minded than than my family, but I actually have a lawyer in my family. And um, when he uh, married into the family, you know, we became fast friends. Um, he married my cousin and uh, he's a great guy. And I remember there was one time when I confronted him and I said like, hey, what do you think about, you know, the British, you know, accreditation registry or whatever, you know, BAR stands for. You know, I asked him, like, what do you think um, about being, you know, kind of on the side of Britain, so to speak, kind of in a fuzzy, hazy kind of way? And he really didn't even get what I meant by that. He didn't understand how being a lawyer would make him, you know, have some kind of allegiance to, to the United Kingdom. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Have you looked into that? Have you uh, felt... Uh, like some of your, you know, fellow lawyers or attorneys are, are maybe royal or, or have leanings towards the uh, royalty? Yeah, I don't, I don't buy into that argument at all. No, uh, I, I haven't really done a ton of research on it. But, uh, you know, th there's this sovereign citizen argument that exists as well that's kind of intertwined with this type of stuff and yeah and finds its origin in the common law and at the same time adopts certain provisions of the uniform commercial code which is something that's used in commerce and sales and all that kind of stuff and it's a really 
the the thing about the sovereign citizen is they pick and choose what they want to be applicable to them. You know, at at times the government is uh, their friend, and uh, at other times the government is their foe, and they want to use the court system in order to effectuate their sovereign citizen cases, which they argue have no um, that statutes and then thereby the case law that's derived from that statute is essentially the way that the United States establishes law, they say, you know, isn't applicable to them, but that they still want to use the court system for their own court. It's, it's kind of oxymoronic, if you want to ask me. Uh, obviously, I, in that it, like, attacks my profession in, such, in, a, in a way, it's just not really something that interests me. Like, obviously, there's some sort of argument to it, but it's just not one that... Um, I have a lot of time for. Yeah, no, I, I excuse excuse me if that was uh, caught, no, no, no. catching you off guard. It's just no you know, rare opportunity to ask you that. Um, being a lawyer, it's one of the only conspiracy theories that I know of, and I'm really not, you know, well informed enough to ask you uh, that question. I should have prepared more, but you know, it's it's just it's one of the only conspiracy theories in that realm, you know, that I, I've heard about. And I've actually applied it uh, myself one time. I got a speeding ticket and I had a friend who is very much into the sovereign citizen stuff. And he wrote up this document with me. It was like a gold leaf piece of paper. It was real fancy looking, had gold like print on it. And then he got a gold Sharpie and had me sign it. And we gave it over to the court and they kind of were like, well, we don't want to even deal with this. This is crazy. And they just dismissed my ticket. I didn't have to pay, but they didn't really admit to like, oh, this worked. They were just kind of like, what you know like they so like that might have been a to fluke. dismiss your ticket than to deal with like your bullshit argument is probably what they're thinking like i don't mean yeah. that in any sort of offensive way no i get but, it uh, i'm with you like, like the thing about sovereign citizens they do this weird stuff so i actually was involved with i had a client that was sued by one and so they take these very very uh, normal in run-ins with the law in some sort of way and they try to manipulate them in such a way to their own benefit thereafter. So, for example, my that they often do this to the police officers. So, I my client was a police officer, and he stopped this guy for running a stop sign. He gave him a ticket, and that was it. And the the guy was a sovereign citizen, and so he didn't pay the ticket. So the ticket um, compounded, and has a great he has a great big charge from it now like in nashville a parking ticket if you don't pay it after 10 days like a nine dollar charge turns into like a 150 dollar charge so i think there's just a lot of interest and stuff thereafter so he maybe like four or five years later sues the officer for and i can't remember the causes of action now but like false imprisonment and assault battery all these different things based on this interaction in which he received a ticket. And so what the sovereign citizen does is, is they make this uh, damages scheme. They kind of make one up, you know, obviously like when I write a lawsuit, I'm speculating on damages too. There's going to be some kind of basis in fact for them, but I'm always asking for a lot more than I actually intend to get. Cause if you don't ask for it, you can't get it. But so for example, he's, he charges him, 
the same fee that he was charged in the ticket. And then he charges him $500 a day thereafter in damages to like his emotional blah, 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 bullshit, like the intentional infliction of emotional distress. Now, what happens, and this is the whole sovereign citizens uh, ploy, is that they file these lawsuits. And so when you take something like that to court or to the clerk's office, excuse me, that clerk doesn't get to make a judgment call on what's being filed. So like if it complies with like the paper requirements, you have a filing fee, they're going to file your lawsuit, even if it was like the dumbest lawsuit you've ever seen. And so these sovereign citizen lawsuits get filed and these old people get served with them. The old people look at it and it says like they, the sovereign citizen makes it up. So if my last name was Buffett, I would say in the court of Buffett, uh, under the king's jurisdiction. Like they make up all these crazy things. So this old person who might be a former police officer uh, looks at this and is like, what in the fuck is this? And throws it away. Now the sovereign citizen takes advantage of the court. 30 days later, you can get a default judgment. So they go to court and they say, oh yes, judge, I was damaged to the tune of $500,000 or whatever the like crazy number they've made up. And unfortunately there's not a lot of transparency or like oversight in court in that type of way like if you win by default you write your own judgment up you give it to the judge they sign it they file it that's kind of it uh so this is like a loophole so then they take these judgments they file liens against the people's property and then they attempt to foreclose on the property and it's a real judgment based on a bullshit lawsuit but they are like and then sometimes they just file fake liens that look like judgments and again that clerk's office at the register of deeds is not doing anything to look at your paper and and make sure it's an actual document so i i respect arguments about sovereignty i respect uh that kind of rhetoric but i i don't respect that type of shit you know what i mean and and that's why they're scheming yeah they're scheming and they're they you know, that's why I say they, they say the court applies to them sometimes. And then they also say like the laws don't apply to me, but then they're scheming to take advantage yeah. and like make it like saying that you were damaged to the tune of $500,000 because you ran a stop sign and you're making up this lawsuit because you don't think the stop sign law applies to you. It's just crazy. So okay. that's why I get a little like sovereign citizens. I'm just like, Really, I gotta deal with one of you fucking guys again. But like, if you if you wanted to have an argument about the sovereign citizen in theory, like I'm here for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I I just wanted to get your two cents on that, and uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you for clearing that up. Uh, I'll probably have to listen back to this to fully understand what you just said. But I appreciate <laughs> sorry, it. that was a, that can be a lot of legalese at times. I can no flow in and out of that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's also just why I love podcasts so much, because you're able to go back and and listen and fully comprehend something, you know. So maybe to to branch away from the whole sovereign citizen, what was the what was the first conspiracy, maybe when you're a kid, a teenager, adult that woke you up to, you know, this whole, you know, movement, I guess, the awakening movement that all of us are slowly getting awakened. First off, I want to talk about, it's not necessarily the answer to your question, but it reminds me, I have found this uncanny, I'm really into the Mandela effect, Mm -hmm. and I have found this uncanny characteristic 
of so many of us kind of, how old are you? 26. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm 33. But do you ever remember being like in ordinately afraid of quicksand as a child <laughs> i remember quicksand being a weird thing that you heard about as a kid like oh yeah quicksand that could like, kill you oh <laughs> shit like i gotta worry about quicksand i just yeah. remember being a kid thinking like oh no like and yeah. i guess I, I i posed this to my followers once because i saw somebody talking about it on i think on reddit or something like that and it resonated with so many people Oh my God, I was afraid of quicksand. I was afraid of quicksand. And it's just so weird to me. So sometimes I get into an argument with people that like that's a collective uh, conscious type of um, memory. Like when we all died in like the mud flood in like the last lifetime or something like that. So I was really into quicksand. I just think that's weird. We're all into like the Bermuda Triangle and that stuff as kids. And it, it, it just makes for really strange predictive programming uh, when you think about it all. But I don't know that I can tell you that there's one thing that opened my eyes. I was always, uh, I just always questioned things a lot and uh, always asked why, if you will, and would get in trouble for that in Catholic school. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I was always like, I, we, I had access to a computer really young, like maybe in like third or fourth grade. And I just, I call myself a child of the internet like people our age, especially the ones that had access to like the old school internet like that before like the AOL days and that type of thing. But I can go down a whole rabbit hole on why I think that we were, that's all part of the, like the looking glass. I, I just think it's so interesting in like the string theory that like the internet connects us all in this type of string theory type of way in, in ways that we would have never been connected, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And how interesting that is in the context of the Great Awakening. Yeah. Are you but, familiar with uh, um, with the D-Wave computer and John D um, and the, the like the hidden origins of the computer? No, do tell. So John D, for those who don't know, was a uh, member of the royal court of uh, England during the time of uh, Queen Elizabeth the second i believe or the first and uh they the one that was really famous and um <clears throat> and he was the court astrologer and in those times it wasn't just like hey queen tomorrow you're gonna fall in love because daniel over there's a leo and you know he's gonna vibe with you it wasn't like that it was more like you know big big decisions were made by what the stars and the planets uh, and their positions, you know, and part of that was a knowledge of science and technology, because in those days you needed compasses, you needed maps, you needed all these different scientific components that were like the foundation of early technology. So the D-Wave computer was a computer that was built before World War II um, within the U.S. military. And they used an inspired, well, they were inspired by the work of John D. Because not only was John D. really good at predicting and charting times and stars and all that, he was communicating supposedly with angels who were 
giving him a language, which he called the Enochian language, right? Enoch being one of the uh, forgotten or thrown away ver uh, stories from the Bible that has now resurfaced thanks to the you know Dead Sea Scrolls, I believe. But and, and the internet, you know. <laughs> of course, of course. How, how would you know it otherwise? Yeah, well, yeah, I have only the internet to thank for my knowledge and the many books that I've wasted my money on. Well, not wasted, but, and, uh, and yeah, so this Enochian language that he was supposedly channeling from angels, um, I only say supposedly because whenever you're interacting with multidimensional beings, how the hell can you trust them? You know, like they, right. how do we know they're angels? So he said they're angels. So yeah, this language is very interesting. looks really weird. And, um, and it was used for codes and ciphers and that was how they kind of develop programming, right? They, they use this kind of uh, binary code and all this deep mathematical algorithmic stuff that I can't possibly recall at this moment. But yeah, I mean, that's that when I consider how mystical the origins of the computer and then now the awakening being totally tied into a computer i think it, it just makes so much sense and uh, a lot of people don't know that so you know let's not give the military industrial complex too much credit you know there was guys like john d who inspired even them so and uh, another interesting thing is that we wouldn't have computer processing capabilities without quartz crystals which I have, I'll show you for the video, but I have a lot of really great quartz crystals. And uh, I think without them, I would not have been able to facilitate the frequency of, you know, awareness to be able to comprehend this stuff. I think that was pivotal in my uh, journey as a, you know, in truth seeker, uh, the, you know, just having crystals around, not even really doing anything with them. I don't like drink tincture, tinctures or anything. I just have them in my room. And, um, and yeah, that, that can't be underestimated when you consider that in every computer, there's a little piece of quartz, you know? Well, I, I talk about this a lot on my podcast that I think that there was an intentional psyop, whatever you want to call it to, uh, an agenda to, make certain things satanic in mm. the astronomy, astrology, numerology, gematria, manifestation, law of attraction, all of that on a government Christianity level, you, you were, you were taught were kind of faux pas topics. So I think that kind of like ties into, into what you're saying in that. Like I, I recently got into crystals as well. Like I've always known that they exist and I just kind of thought that they were bogus bullshit. But uh, it's amazing just what having a couple different things in your uh, your house can do for you. Yeah, don't let the Instagram people fool you. It's not as woo-woo as they make it look. I mean, there's a lot of bogus people who use crystals. And I think that's the major problem with crystals is there's not a lot of authenticity in the market of crystals. There's not a lot of education. Yeah, and it's mostly because of these people who are 
I think, in my opinion, in a perfect world, they should be sharing crystals freely, but instead they're selling them, which commercializes the whole thing, which really takes a lot of the spirituality out of it. I think when you're gifted a crystal, you know, obviously buying one, you know, you can get into the whole thing on that. I don't think there's anything in inherently wrong with spending money, but I just think that the uh, nature of capitalism is not... Um, it's not a symbiotic relationship with the environment. So when we're robbing mother nature of her crystals and then right, like the universe never intended us to have to purchase like, yeah, crystals yeah. like that. So I think there's just some baggage really is what it is. And, and, and if you're into this whole pop scheme of magic, it's very easy to just not even really get the uh, value out of the crystals because you're just kind of like doing the law of attraction thing, which could work. I mean, I've done law of attraction uh, manifestation, but it takes a lot of power. Uh, well, not power, but concentration and meditation and dedication, you know? Oh, I, I would, I would disagree with you respectfully in that I, I have, I dabble with law of attraction manifestation very, I've gotten like really esoteric in the last year, much more than ever before. And I don't know exactly how I do it yet, but I would say that like I had, I had something really cool happen in like the last couple of days and it, I manifested it like I wanted it. And it literally happened maybe like three hours later. Yeah. So I think that definitely all of that to say is that I don't meditate. Like I can't meditate. It's something I struggle with, but so what's your definition of meditation? In the sitting, closing your eyes, concentrating, clearing your mind, mm -hmm. that type of thing. I, I'm not capable of doing that. I, I, mean, I don't need to say that because I words are all that. Anyway, so I shouldn't say that I can't do it. I don't do it because it's hard for me to like turn my brain off mm. and I struggle with it. And so instead of attempting to improve it i just don't do it uh but i all of that to say that i think you can still love attraction and manifest without like super super intense meditation yeah no i think really everybody is constantly manifesting it's just being able to kind of direct the flow of energy that might take determination for some people others yeah certainly i don't think everybody's you know got the same plate to eat you know in life but at the same time you know what I, why i asked you about the meditation definition is because i i think that sometimes we don't realize when we're meditating and and like just smoking weed thought alone you know yeah yeah when you when you really like get into i mean i think you have to have a skill of meditating to even listen to a podcast like this because it takes a certain amount of focus and concentration that most entertainment like television it's broken up by commercials so much that like people are used to this kind of short attention span entertainment that when you get into podcasting it's like a shift you almost can't go back to your old way of of quote unquote entertaining yourself because you've kind of a, adapted to this new form and, and it is kind of meditative to sit and listen to something because if you start thinking during a podcast you know you might have to go back and be like oh what did they say you know so you might might just be underestimating your own uh, meditation capabilities there 
Something interesting for me, kind of going back to your question you asked me earlier about why I got into podcasting. I don't know about you. I I love music. I I love all types of music. I like to say I have probably like amazing taste in music all the time. But uh, I recently I just don't want to listen to music. I want to listen to podcasts. I want I like crave content. Mm. And it, I, I like when I get ready, when I'm in the shower, on the road, whatever I'm doing, I just want to listen to something. And so I'm choosing podcasts way more than I'm ever choosing music right now. And I just find that interesting to me. And I guess I, I think that other people are like that. And I, I kept searching for something to listen to and I wasn't finding what I wanted to listen to. And so part of me, like, I feel like I need to create the like type of content that I was looking for because there has to be somebody else out there that wanted to hear the same type of things that I did. Okay. As far as podcasting goes, you mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I appreciate in this that. realm of like, like you were just talking about podcasting, like I just, I, I think it's really cool what we're doing and there's not a lot of people that are doing it. So yeah, I couldn't find exactly what I wanted to hear. So why not? Why not do it then? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's kind of what got me my job with Sam is like, I was a guest on his podcast twice uh on the paywall stuff so like his patreon and then he created his new show the spirituality show and he had me on there once and um after the show was over i'm like telling him like oh you gotta have this guest on you gotta have this guest on like these guests would be great for this and he's like hey dude why don't you just book my show like i'll pay you to do it you see you seem like you know a lot of people and and he was right and it's because of this whole um manifesting what I truly, you know, the path that I want to be on, you know, and I think this is 2020 has accelerated for a lot of people, this kind of energy. And I, I feel really, you know, blessed and it sucks because there's been a lot of bad stuff that's happened this year for me, for people I know, for people listening. But at the same time, there's like this really weird energy where, you know, like things have been going really well like I went from being a huge fan of this podcast to working for the guy you know so if that's not proof that manifestation is real like I don't know what is you know and it's like you kind of I kind of just had to get at Sam and be like hey you need to have these people on you know and and just like you were like oh, I don't I don't hear any podcasts that I would like you made your own you know that's the kind of fire that people need to light under their ass sometimes to really make a change in the world, you know, and I, I think, go ahead. I, I could, Oh no, no, finish, know. please. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that this year more than ever, we're, we're starting to see uh, what people thought was going to happen in 2012, you know, with the whole zeitgeist movie and all these different uh, apocalyptic type, uh, prophecies and the Mayan calendar. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think any of that has any weight? Do you think uh, 2020 is is the year of the awakening? Or do you think that that this is just how it's going to be for the next Bakhtun or however many 2,600 years the Vedic calendar puts it at? Okay, a lot to respond there. <laughs> <laughs> well, first I wanted to say that 
I definitely agree with 20, your thoughts on 2020 in that it's been a sh shit year, but at the same time, it's, it's like a relationship. Like 2020 has been a relationship. You know, I've been through some really shitty relationships, but I can't say now that I, they shouldn't have happened because I wouldn't be who I am. They wouldn't have made me into the person that I am. So I kind of feel that way about 2020 because, you know, she was a real bitch, but I became so enlightened in the last year and got into topics that I never thought I would get into. And like the energy thing that you're talking about, I'm so into energy lately. And I would very much agree with you that I feel as if there has been a shift. I find, I, I feel really good. I feel really positive. I, I did a podcast recently with an energy reader who broke some like energy cords that I had with like a past relationship with uh, one of these crazy followers that I have that tries to dox me all the time and uh, puts bad juju in the world. Oh, I heard. Yeah. I think you were talking about that uh, with Sam maybe, or somewhere yes. else I heard you were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, interesting. It worked. Yeah. I had this energy reading and it worked and I literally, I, I'm not bullshitting you. I'm not saying this, the guy's not sponsoring me. I felt an immediate, like, like an, a lift off of me and we were talking about like some family stuff and he was doing his like reading and breaking these energy stuff that he had going on and ever since then I just feel so good and I I don't know what's happening I I want uh, I want to believe in the red pill but I look at things both red pill and black pill so I, I do think there's an energy shift. Obviously, the 21st, we have, you know, Saturn and Jupiter coming together for the first time in 800 years. We've got the age of Aquarius that we're transitioning into. Some people think that there's this 3D to 5D ascension. I don't think that anything crazy mes metaphysical is going to happen. Like, I don't think people are going to disappear. I don't think that, uh, you know, there's going to be the mark of the beast on anyone by any means. But I do think that there's a shift and um, yeah, I was really into like the pole sh shifting as a child and that was like a topic I always found really intriguing and that kind of coincides with the Mayan calendar in that interpretations made it seem very apocalyptic but there was also literature that suggested that it's really just uh, a shift, an age of enlightenment, like a whole new age coming into at that time and, and that the apocalypse interpretation is incorrect. And so yeah. that really coincides with the age of Aquarius and everything that's going on. Well, I'll tell you, shift. you're absolutely right there because the word apocalypse itself means a great revealing or a great awakening and obviously like you kind of made the point before they've taken a lot of these things and demonized them and that was one of them the big word apocalypse has been one of the biggest demonized words in the culture i think because what does the average person think when they think apocalypse they think end of the world when in reality it just devil and hell yeah, yeah. And, and that's my I, I hate i hate the phrase that the biggest what's it uh the biggest lie the devil the biggest lie the devil ever told was that he, or, that he didn't exist this 
the devil only exists because we think he exists because we <laughs> manifest him that's yeah. the whole point like that's the whole point about like the world and the simulation like the world is only the way that we think it is is because we think it is and yeah like the rest of the world is projecting the world to look like it is and so we continue to think that the world looks like it is so like the de the whole devil stuff like I'm really into the like everything is a psyop. Like if yeah. I say psyop once, I say it probably 90 times a day. So I think Satanism, I think the whole pedophilia, Satanism, Satanism in general is just a psyop because it ties into religion. And if you believe the devil exists, then you believe the devil exists, and then he does exist. Yeah. But well, what do you? What are your thoughts on um, on the? Because this is something that was explained to Sam uh, on a recent episode of Tim Fall Hat with David Matheson. And it's, it's kind of a point that I've been trying to hint at over the course of my job with Sam, uh, just through different guests. And it's the idea that we have higher and lower spheres of consciousness. Actually, Sean Beaupre mentioned it too, when he was on, but um, yeah, so the higher and lower spheres of consciousness and uh, the devil or Satan would be a manifestation of the lowest, lowest form of human consciousness. So to get this idea of a devil into society and culture is to, you know, make this thing real. And then you have people who identify with that because they've been traumatized and then they choose to traumatize others and do bad things. So what do you, what do you hear, you know, in all these Christian like TV shows, like the bad guy's always like the devil and, you know, he's proud the of devil's it. devil's got me. Yeah. 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 And they're proud of it. And it's only because this schema has been created where they want people to be funneled towards the lowest form of consciousness as a means of power right because what are we talking about when somebody tries to do something evil to a person they're trying to take power over that person's free will that person's Control. body right you know they're they're taking that decision of free will they're loosing the energy too yeah exactly but but they kind of set it up that way so that the average person can fall into that trap uh, thinking that, oh, in order to get back at the world, I need to, you know, be devilish, you know, this lowest form of consciousness when really, I mean, as a martial artist over 10 years of training martial arts, I've learned that the most powerful martial arts or martial artists, they don't throw the first punch, you know, they'll, they'll take 20 punches before they throw a punch because the point is to be the bigger man, to walk the higher road always, you know, and, and nonviolence is a form of violence on a psychological level because what, by not engaging with that person at their lowest form of consciousness, you're lifting them back up to where they could be. And I think that's important to remember and, and why what you said about being this whole thing being a psyop is absolutely true because it's all a fabrication of reality based on this kind of untruth that that is a powerful way to express yourself when in reality, if you actually train martial arts, you'll learn that the most powerful form of violence is nonviolence, you know? Well, it, it, just think about it and think about what I was saying about them making all the oh I, I kind of forgot to finish that thought with you i'm so sorry it's all right all those uh numerology astronomy astrology all those things i was talking about that they they made us think were satanic i think that 
the intent behind that was to separate us from ourselves because mm -hmm. we are so powerful. You know, we're taught that, that the law of attraction is, is somewhat satanic, but praying is okay when they're literally the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I think in consideration of all that, and then in consideration of what we were just talking about with Satan and the, the idea that he only exists because people believe that he exists, but they tell you that they create this character for you and then you manifest the evil around it and that it is this evil entity when it's really just kind of a reflection again of the lowest uh, uh what were you, what did you call it lowest form of consciousness yeah yes and you know the lowest part of your ego if you will and then they take all little tiny aspects of those same subjects that we are talking about so they take 666 and attach that to this and then you think that all like I talk about angel numbers and signs from the universe all the time. And people will be like, I saw 666. Like, what does that mean? Like, is the devil talking to me? And I'm like, no, it's just three numbers. It, they only are satanic when you give them the power that they're satanic. Otherwise, it's just a wing from the universe in the simulation that we're living in. Yeah. And, yeah. and so to me, when you take a step back, and you realize that like you can have a personal relationship with God or the universe or whatever you want to call it without putting yourself in the box of one of these religions. And you just kind of step back in that way and you look at things and you're just like, wow, everything about the devil is so on the nose. Like the 666 of it all, the like sexualization of the devil, the, especially that we have seen in the last I really for our lifetime I feel like it's like increased and increased and like it's sexy to be evil well, when you consider that you know like going back to the forms of consciousness right it, you can understand them through our chakras right so we have the root chakra the sacral chakra and the um whatever the one above that is the solar chakra right so those would be your three kind of lower chakras and the second one above your root chakra is all about sex and and creativity too is a part of that because that's how you create but when they identify you know this lower form of consciousness with sex it kind of takes the creativity out of it you know it takes that creator and and what i've learned is that you need all seven chakras to be working in unison, you know, not just one, two, and three on the lowest form. And the first one, root chakra, that's all about survival, eating, you know, that's the selfishness. That's the, that's the give me, give me and fighting and all this stuff that we associate with like adrenaline, right? And then above that would be the sacral chakra, which is associated with the release of adrenaline too right so there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there and when you you really start to see that these symbols that have been around for so long have so much meaning and that each chakra equates to a different gland in your body you can see how they kind of want us to be in this state of ignorance because otherwise they can't use these rules against us. You know, they've figured out the laws of the universe and keep us ignorant to them in order to manipulate us. You know, and I think that's 
that's why they don't want you, like you said earlier about the law of attraction and prayer. They don't want you to do law of attraction because they only want you to do law of attraction through them, right? Praying through their uh, bureaucracy of spirit that they've, you know, put uh, between you and God. That's that's what it is, you know, and, and now that they don't need that spiritual motivation anymore, they have the financial motivation and in the future they'll have the you know, medical, you know, incentive now, it seems like to comply with them, you know, because if you don't comply, oh, you're going to get some crazy virus that'll kill you and everyone you've ever met, you know. Well, what they do now is they, (laughs) they devise a plan to take your rights away from you. Yeah. They thereby begin to take your rights away from you and then they convince you that it's your idea to give them your rights which is exactly what's happening right now yep and it's just so fucking like it's the invisible obvious and it's so on the nose and i look at people that you know i hate the word woke i look at people that are sheep let's call them that and i'm just like how do you not see it like, is it, is it just so easy because I'm on the other side? Is it just so easy because, I don't know, like, you take the red pill and then you're just like, wow, was this really what was going on the entire time before I opened up my eyes? And It's frequency. Was, I love to say on the nose all the time. Was it really this on the nose? Like, was it really just, like, right here in front of my face and that my blinders were on? Because right now, especially this climate, I... I turn the news on ever so often and I'm like, God, this is what like people are watching and think <laughs> is real. Yeah. You know, you do like one scroll on the people I follow on Instagram, you get a whole different fucking narrative for the day. And if nobody knows that shit exists. So it, that's, what's interesting. I think there's this one quote that I saw like a month or two ago and I'm going to butcher it. Cause I don't remember it exactly, but never has there been a time where two people could be standing next to each other and be living in two completely different realities. And that I just read that one day and I was like, Oh God damn, that resonates. But then you think about the 3d and 5d of it all. And, and it's the same. Yeah. Well, it's frequency. I think that that's what I was kind of thinking this whole time. You made that great point because, you know, in my opinion, People are so bombarded with low frequency signaling all day. Culture is rife with low frequency signaling. By that, I mean, you know, getting people to think that sex is all there is to strive for. And in order for that, you need money. And in order for that, you need to do what you're told because the guys who give you the money have a certain set of rules that they want you to follow you know and that's that's the game that so many people are kind of wired into that i don't think the frequency allows them to even really get what you're saying when you try to show them the light and i think the the feeling that folks like us have is that once you get this far you can't go back right at least that's what we hope and uh and And I think that for those people, there is going to be a time for them where they can't go back to that old way 
and there is hope for them and it might take multiple lifetimes you know i i believe in reincarnation and i think that some people might have come to this earth with that in mind maybe they lived a life previously where they were so red pilled out that they said to themselves in their you know tibetan book of the dead uh moment of review they said you know i'm just going to be all blue pilled out this next life and when my son comes to me with the red pill stuff i'm just gonna you know it's not even gonna hit me maybe that's the choice they made but i honestly think you know not to discourage anybody but i think that maybe those people are just further back along on the path to truth you know and and you whether or you're older or younger it really doesn't matter how old your soul is you know that your physical body doesn't tell you how old your soul is and i think you know you could be born to someone who might be <laughs> more naive than you spiritually and it doesn't almost oh, definitely so you know the energy reading that i was talking about earlier he told yeah. me uh that this was my 62nd life and wow. that um I was the oldest soul that he had ever met. So what do you, what do you think of it now? Maybe like how your old self would have taken something like that? Because I know maybe like five or 10 years ago, if someone told me that I had eight, 80 lives before this and that I was the most like important person they'd met, I might think that they were like some kind of charlatan. But after I've had a Reiki session myself and I've felt the power of it and I've experienced it, I've never done past life regression, but after going through it, what do you say to those who haven't, who might be doubting you right now? Well, I would have a lot to say, in fact, <laughs> but I have had and energy and and I'm I'm not well versed in this so if if what I'm about to describe is reiki please tell me but I, I, all of that I don't know what to sorry I had a, a follower did like a remote energy session with me cool and that was incredible I would not have done that it would have been something I read about online a couple years ago and talked to my girlfriends and been like, what the fuck is this? Like, doesn't this sound wild? We should go do this. And then it would have been something we never did. And probably much younger in my 20s when I was more of the Catholic, like before I broke away, uh, I probably would have just thought like, what the fuck? Like, what does that even mean? That sounds like a scam or something like that. But that session, I literally felt wind around me like, like energy running through me but I I don't want to go into my whole story because it's not about that tonight but I did an episode 33 where I talk about this like crazy stalker relationship I had where I got catfish it's a whole thing uh but he could touch me energy wise from afar and that was like before I knew anything about this type of stuff and so I became really, really open into anything as fucking possible after I had this like weird relationship with a person that could touch my body in an energetic way, like hundreds of miles away. Wow. And like, it sounds crazy, but it's very much real. Uh, I'm about to write a book about it, in fact. Uh, but after that, like, there and then you take a little acid on top of that and, and you realize like the world is not as it seems yeah for sure <laughs> i'm with you 100 i think the reiki session i had it was it was a little 
I don't know, it was a little different because I was the one who was kind of attached to someone rather than someone being attached to me. I had a, a relationship that I went through that ended with a person like cheating on me with like a long distance, which just baffled me because I wasn't too far. But anyways, so I, I was just really hurt by it. And uh getting into all the crystal stuff this was when i was like 19 and and i found this shop that sold herbs and crystals and the lady did reiki and it was only ten dollars for a session so i said yeah i'll do it like 10 bucks give it a try like i've read a book about this before it's very interesting stuff it's like a japanese energy healing so i do this session and i'm not kidding like 10 minutes felt like an hour like maybe you know the fact that i had gone there around sunset and it was daytime and then nighttime in that small period but wow like time had just like frozen and i felt like i was there for an hour and like the lights in the shop were like glowing pink even though they weren't pink like it was white light and everything was dark and pink and like just it was really amazing. And after that, I had this kind of self-confidence that I didn't have before that was really the root of the problem of why I was so attached to this person in the relationship, you know, and, and none of that was conveyed to me. It just all was like this energy packet that was given to me. And once I got it, it just, it all made sense. And uh, from there, I think that facilitated a lot of trust in this kind of stuff rather than doubt because it's important to have doubt but i think doubt can be a hindrance uh when it comes to this kind of stuff if you have too much of it you know and it's really important to just go with it sometimes i most definitely agree i think if anything you just have to have an open mind yeah and and believe that perhaps everything I've ever been taught is not true and it's not real. And, you know, perhaps I have to go out into this world and kind of figure out what's real on my own. And so just realize that like, sometimes I call it magic. It's just like magic is possible. You know, that like things that we were taught that were impossible are most definitely possible. So just go into the world with this open mind and be willing to try things instead of like, I think if you ever have a reaction where you go, oh, like, I would never do that. Or like, sometimes people will be like, oh my God, that's so satanic. And I'll comment back and I'll say, why do you think that way? Like, why? ask yourself that question. Like before you were going to comment that to me, like if you have this like really adverse reaction to something like that, like why, where did that come from? Like who inceptioned that in my brain? Like, for example, last year, I got out of this stalker relationship and I was just like really struggling. Like, how did I get bamboozled like this? I lost time of my life. And I went to a crystal shop in Nashville and I didn't know anything about crystals. I just was like, I need to buy some sage. I need to get this energy out of my house. Like I need to do something. And so I ended up picking up a couple things and I was talking to the shop owner and she had a little sign and she was like, it said uh, a crystal energy reading. And I was like, I asked her what that was. And she said for 30 minutes that she has this big bowl of crystals. I'm just gonna say I did it. Okay. So let me just, 
instead of describing it abstract, let me just describe what it was. I'm sorry. So I decided to do it. We go upstairs. She has this huge bowl of crystals. And like everything you could see, like, like piled up a little bit. So you could like dig your hand into it. And she said, I want you to pick whatever you want to pick. You know, pick out maybe two or three at a time. Or, and then I, I'm going to tell you something about what you pick. And it was crazy. Like, he just got out of a relationship. He had mommy issues. Uh, you're going to be a writer. You're going to write a book. Like, all this crazy, crazy stuff. Like, you're going to get back with this person one more time because, like, your body, um, you have to say goodbye, which is exactly what happened with, like, I got back together with, like, an ex-fiance, and then it didn't work. It was just all these things happened. I can't remember it all now, but the crystal reading was just what, and this was just from me, like, picking them out of the uh, basket. So I really want to go back now. It's been, like, a year. Uh, yeah. I'll do that this weekend. But, like... That's something that, you know, maybe five years ago I would have thought sounded kooky, you know, and a scam. And don't, like, there are most definitely scams out there. But I don't know. that It was just wild, and that was something cool. Yeah, no, for sure. I think crystals are like, you know, you get them around you, and they just seep into your life this kind of frequency that it just facilitates i use frequency and facilitate a lot tonight but it facilitates this awareness that is a new form of consciousness i think and uh and you can really benefit from it i don't quite know how to comprehend it because i'm still trying to understand it but i can kind of explain it like so i have maybe 600 books in my room right now last time I counted it's close to that much and most of them are in the realm of what we're talking about spirituality and crazy stuff like that conspiracy books which are not easy to find at your normal bookstore but I've got pretty much most of them and I think it's weird to think like this I almost think it's like I'm crazy for thinking this but just by sleeping in this room and having this many words on pages, I feel like my soul almost reads the books for me while I'm sleeping. Cause there are times where I'll read a book, put it down. And I have so many that sometimes I won't pick that book up again, but I'm almost compelled to think that I'm actually aware of what's in the book because of what I'm talking about in conversations afterwards. And perhaps, perhaps you're reading them in your dreams, <laughs> your subconsciouses, your I astral think, traveling and, and doing it. But that's what an intriguing thought. Just like, but the way crystals kind of, right. You can imagine a crystal more so than a book having that ability. But I think that we can apply knowing what we know now about consciousness and quantum physics, that we could apply that to a book, uh, seeing that it's just like a packet of consciousness, you know, you open it up and there's just information in there. That's, I mean, obviously it's only accessible to the people who understand English, but, <laughs> or whatever language you have, but Yeah. Uh, but is you, it have you heard of you know that people say that words that spelling is a very intentional word that like words cast spells yeah and if you 
I think if you think about the law of attraction or manifestation at all on a very basic level, obviously the words that you use, your thoughts are based on words as well. Uh, you're manifesting what you want through those words. And so <clears throat> I think that's just an interesting, in that same sort of context and that words are, and spelling and all this type of stuff is just around you, but mm -hmm. it's still having a, an energetic effect on you. And, and maybe it's just that you're, you're surrounding yourself with knowledge that you previously had and you're tapping into it with it being again around you just like a crystal has energy that maybe your books have energy that they're giving you as well i'd hope so i'd hope maybe so you're just t tapping into like a a literary frequency that you only yeah. exist but yep. i wanted to comment on something you said earlier because i most definitely have had the same thought as you talking about i also believe in the multiverse or i believe in the multiverse but i believe in reincarnation as well and so I think about that sometimes because I think about, okay, I'm here. It's my 62nd life. In the last year, I really feel like I'm coming into my own. And I know that somehow through my Instagram account, I'm supposed to promote light and just show people a different way. Um, and that seems normal to me. That seems like I'm called to do that. And then you look at the people who are, meth addicts or people that abuse children or all these like bad people in this world and you think okay like what is your soul doing here like you were kind of talking about and so have you ever seen the movie what dreams may come no totally totally recommend uh okay. it's got robin williams and it's about him and his wife dying and they go to this like theoretical hell and he's trying to save her because she's in like a bottom layer. But um, in that, like their souls are trapped in this layer of hell. So he goes down to save her. So sometimes I wonder like are souls trapped in that in that type of way? Because like, why would you choose to have that lifetime? Or, or maybe you're right in the Tibetan reference that, damn, like do I get out of this lifetime? And I think, wow, that great awakening was such a motherfucker. Like I just want to go down and like, fuck shit up yeah. you know and like i i don't that's so that's the one thing i don't understand about you know leveling up and vibrating higher well i and... think i think maybe how i've processed that and i could be wrong but the way i've processed that is that those people that you suggested you know people who abuse other people people who do really bad drugs that get them out of their you know, healthy consciousness. I think those people open themselves up to these interdimensional beings that absorb our louche, right? Louche is something that you uh, made Sam aware of. He keeps forgetting because it's been mentioned on many podcasts, but you were great for reminding him because since then he's mentioned it a couple times and I'm glad he okay. has that vocabulary now. But, um, but yeah, the, the whole louche thing, it's very interesting. I think maybe uh, an explanation for that would be that someone who does a drug like that or gets traumatized by someone else to the point where their soul chooses to leave their body, I think what you have left behind is an empty vessel that can be replaced by another soul, right? So in a healthy functioning world, that other soul would be another human being soul, right? But in this upside down 
world that we live in where these fallen angels so to speak so like archons or parasitic spiritual beings somewhat on the planet i think that is an opportunity for them to take grasp of a physical vessel which they no longer for whatever metaphysical reasons you know they can no longer be in a physical body so they take that opportunity they prey on people in those fragile situations to you know have some kind of and then you consider like these serial killers and and the 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 trauma that most of these people grew up with that ends up being this kind of weird thing where now they kill other people in a sense like i don't remember exactly what weird conspiracy paranormal killing is loose too yeah yeah exactly but i don't remember what like weird paranormal murder case i was learning about but the killer was basically writing like stuff down left all this stuff behind and he was saying that like i think it was actually charles manson i don't remember exactly but he was saying he's collecting souls for his soul family you know I think that was Manson. Yeah, and and if you consider that there are these parasitic beings out there that would want to take over a physical vessel, and then they get in that physical vessel, and then they take other people's physical vessels from them. You know what I mean? It's it that that's where my mind goes when I consider these kind of traumatic situations and then you learn about like the elite ritual traumatization of children where it's almost like they've made a technique out of beckoning these parasitic beings to join them and then what does that implicate that implicates that this whole power structure is solely operated by these parasitic beings who in order to indoctrinate or you know gang beat you into the gang type thing they do this ritual this traumatization ritual to allow a parasitic soul to take your human soul's place you know and add you to this kind of demon army i mean if you can get that wild i know that was as far out as we've probably gotten on this podcast today but i'm about to get a little more far out so go for it i'm sorry excuse me I really am into simulation theory, like really, really, really. So I, do you believe in non-player characters? Kind of in the same way. Okay. So would you distinguish them from what you were just talking about? I I mean, I don't know. I, I think I've heard the term. I don't know how much stock I put into it, but. Okay. I'm just saying like, I, I would think that your theory and my theory could coexist at the same time in the same universe and that there could be, you know, sleeves, bodies, if you will, in which a soul might have left or a soul is suppressed by some sort of demonic, or not demonic, I don't need to use that term, uh, negative energy, alien, whatever you want to call it. But I also think that there are just a bunch of simulated people out there. Like, Mm. I, I don't think... First off, I don't think that there are 7 billion people on this earth. Uh, I think that's a psyop. But if they are, I think there are a lot of people that just aren't real in our simulation of 
or are simulated by the simulation or it's i mean we are projecting them as yeah. well what what that brings to mind for me is the idea of a monad so if you consider uh what we discussed previously about someone having multiple lives then and we also consider the way things evolve in nature I would think that maybe a monad, which is considered a group of souls, right? What if these people who are NPCs, so to speak, they're kind of in a hive mind type soul where their soul, oversoul of that monad family is one human being that split itself into multiple human beings through its process of evolution. So maybe like in order to completely you know this is getting into to, I, I, like are you making like a voldemort reference almost like well monads like no. like taking part of his soul and putting it in a another object but in your hypothetical you're taking part of your soul and putting it in another human no i would i i, I don't know enough about harry potter to make a voldemort reference i'll say that <laughs> but, um, okay. but i would say the best analogy would be like a a group of bees the way bees are thought to think uh, by scientists is, is they have kind of one consciousness that operates all of them as individual points of consciousness right. yeah so so maybe there are groups of people who are kind of in this soul agreement where their monad family thinks is is that's the part of them that thinks spiritually but it's not here yet for them because in their process, their path, they're further back. So eventually that seven or eight people will, uh, their eight souls, which is really one soul, will come back to that one soul, which will have all that experience to be an actualized human being like you or I. And the reason why they're NPCs right now is because they still have some, some learning as a group soul to do before they can be just one projection of that soul. And then if you consider that someone like Krishna or Jesus Christ or Buddha or you know, whatever mythical figure you want to pick that is this avatar, so to speak, that would be someone who's lived a thousand incarnations, you know. So you're on your way to being an avatar, Maria, whether you know it or not. <laughs> okay, that was heavy. Exactly. I was warning I, of that. <laughs> my brain is still trying to make a visual of what you're talking about so that I can understand it. So I, I definitely need to do some more research into that. Well, I think I, I, I'm talking of NPCs more of just a simulation. Yeah. I'd hate to take any credit for any of that because it does come from a, a group of theosophists, Buddhists. It's like this whole theosophy kind of idea that uh, Helena Madame Blavatsky is most famous for, but there are other writers who um, wrote about this without such Luciferian implications as she had. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know where you are on her, but she's definitely someone to research uh, and the whole theosophy movement, which was kind of like the spiritualist movement in the 1800s, but it was... Uh, it was more pantheon, like a pantheon of gods rather than 
like spiritualism was like people doing seances and stuff and like getting into their ancestors and things like that ghosts and tommy knockers and poltergeists and all that weird stuff but uh but theosophy is more systematic than that and it kind of falls into the lines of what alistair crowley was doing and i gotta say i don't like alistair crowley because anytime i mention his name i'll have 30 people commenting telling me i'm an alistair crowley sympathizer god forbid <laughs> but yeah those are all avenues um that you should look into because it, it's part of this whole elite religion that they practice you know see i as the attorney i when i go to court i have to or if i'm writing a brief for example i have to present my argument i also have to present the counter argument mm. and be able to argue you know my argument the counter argument and then the reply to the counter argument so for me I, i'm of the opinion that all of these things exist all of these subject exists magic exists energy exists whatever the fuck you want to call it and you can vibrate higher with that and create positive white light energy or you can go lower create evil believe in the devil uh, create bad black energy, whatever you want to call that. Um, so for me, I found Aleister Crowley just to be inter. I, I just wanted to know, like, what were you doing that nobody else is doing? So like, I have a book on him. So like, you bringing him up is not like the the people that like I say Aleister Crowley, Crowley, and you immediately regurgitate say like that like you want to uh, comment against us in some sort of way like get the fuck out of here you don't need to be listening to this <laughs> podcast anyways you know so um yeah. well listen my, to my ex-fiance that i was talking about uh we were we hung out in like the spring and so i had a book delivered on crowley i still haven't read it uh I, i'll get to it eventually but like i buy books all the time kind of like you and he told me he was like i don't want to see that in this apartment oh dude like really <laughs> Like, oh no don't give power to the book yeah don't manifest that energy into the book like it's just uh, at the same time fuck we're talking about words on paper i was about to just say it's just words on paper so i don't know like to me that's interesting like i i want to know the counter argument to what i'm saying and well, which book about crowley is it is it written by him or is it someone writing about him it's written by him okay so then i would definitely say even though your ex-fiance was naive in his superstition there is a reason why people should be superstitious i myself have experienced a weird weird moment um truly weird uh because directly because of a book i bought written by alistair crowley it was a hundred dollars oh, wow okay so yeah. maybe well, i don't know what i'm talking about no no I, I mean no you're not wrong by saying what you're saying i think everyone should buy any book and not be you know have that mindset of oh something don't give power to it but in the case of alistair crowley considering who he is and what he actually did in his life i will say he is an exception to that rule because you know he was a magic maker he did cast spells so his words are inherently powerful most definitely most definitely agree you with know. you uh 
But I, I feel like we all throw around things a lot about. But I agree with your point too, though, because I think like like for the reason I brought that up is because when I had my first appearance on Tim Fall Hat with Sam, you know, it kind of towards the end of the conversation developed into an argument because Sam kind of misinterpreted what I was saying. I was saying, you know, even though Alistair was this evil kind of guy and did do bad shit, you can't throw out all of his work because he did do some good work for you know, moving the consciousness of spirituality forward, uh, considering he was born when he was born, uh, and he did contribute to good, inspiring good people and bad people. I just tried to, and, oh, and that I, I got Sam. I would objectively agree with you most definitely with that. Uh, yeah, and, and, like, most people would, and Sam did too, but it's just that when that was said and, and Sam got all argumentative, you got a lot of trolls and people who just want to be on Sam's side who comment and be like, oh, this guy, he's trying to say Crowley was a good dude, and, you know, and so that's why I made that, you know, kind of uh, clarification, but, yeah. But your point is exactly my point, in yeah. that, like, if I were to read a book and I saw that Again, I haven't read the book. If I had, and like perhaps there's like a cheat code in there or something. Like, like what are you doing that's manifesting the things that you are and the way that you are? Like, mm. by no means do I have any desire, intention. Like, there's no like I'm so happy and positive right now that like there's no bad energy in my body. So I, I want to look at it like you did again because. It, it, it's not that you're promoting him in any sort of way, but like he did push envelopes that, but for that push, would we know what we know now? Like yeah. would people be able to take those same methods and use them in benevolent ways <laughs> and create again, that like white light energy magic, whatever you want to call it. So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that experience I had with his book, I, I bought um, his book. It's it's called, I'll read it right now, uh, Magic, book number four. Um, and it's it's basically like all of his kind of techniques on magic combined into one book. And uh, it was $100 is probably the most I've spent on one single book. Um, and I ordered it on Amazon when it came. Um uh, I had it at this cafe that I worked at at the time and I was planning on reading it like in between, you know, tasks. Cause on Mondays we weren't that busy anyways. So this guy comes in and I have the book underneath the counter, a weird guy doesn't buy coffee, which automatically red flag. Like you can't just go and sit down at the table without ordering something, you know, like I'm going to kick you out for that. That's my job. So I gave him like a few minutes cause he could change his mind or something. So he sets up this Bible. He sets up these weird little electric candles that have like a switch underneath. So he turned them on and he's scribbling things in between the lines of the Bible. Right. So now I'm like, okay, not only is he not ordering a coffee, he's doing really weird shit in this cafe. Like what is going on? So I go over to him like, dude, you know, you got to order a coffee or I'm going to have to ask you to leave. So he's like, Oh, I was going to get one, you know, really like mean off the bat. And I just, I wasn't being impolite, you know? So right. then he comes up, he gets his coffee and he's all charged up and he's telling me, he's like, 
He's like, oh, do you know who I am? I'm the reincarnation of Charles Manson with the soul of Aleister Crowley. Oh, and, Jesus yeah, Christ. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, all right. like that's Cool story, weird. bro. Yeah, cool story, bro. But also it's weird that I have Aleister's oh, book. Oh, what a underneath, synchronicity. Yeah, underneath the counter that he's, like, standing right in front of. Like, it's literally in between us. And, um, and yeah, so he starts spouting off this, like, demonic, like, oh, I'm the reincarnation of Charles Manson with the soul of Aleister Crowley trapped inside of me. And I'm going to, you know, send you to hell. Do you know what hell is? And he's got like this crazy look in his eyes. I'm like, all right, this guy's a lunatic. So I'm like, dude, just get out. Like, you're out of here. You know, I had to kick him out. And, you know, he comes back like a half an hour later and says some other crazy stuff. And I'm six eight, So most people are not going to like, I don't like bully people, but most people aren't going to like mess with me if I get stern with them, I guess. I don't know. That's just comes right. with the territory. But yeah, this just weird, weird energy from him. Like, you know, and I'm probably leaving out details of what other crazy things he said because it was so long. It was like two years ago. But yeah, I mean, that definitely shook me up. And I think it was partly because I gave power to the book. You know, I definitely right. thought like this book is weird. And and since then, you know, it just sits on my shelf. I've read it a couple of times and I read it before I did the interview with Sam for research purposes. But yeah, it doesn't bother me now. I mean, it's in my room. So right. I, I think there's a little bit of both there. You know, what you said uh, initially is is very true and I think since then I've, I haven't given it any power you know <laughs> right no I I haven't listened to that podcast and I'll have to listen to it now that you've talked about it just to hear kind of how that went but it was interesting I, I agree it's a mix and it again if I know anything in this lifetime now it's that I truly know nothing and that everything that I talk about here is just talking out loud like my thoughts you know what I mean that you can't talk about with anything else but I do think you're right in that it seems like it's a mixture of that mm, maybe that book did have a little bit of magic in it a little bit of something going on in it and then your thoughts your manifestation you know compounded that and gave it the power that it needed to like I don't know that's just it's weird so I think it's almost both in certain situations and again the universe is just a weird has a weird way of fucking with you sometimes you know yeah and yeah. maybe maybe sometimes okay are you into like project looking glass are you into time travel yeah of course synchronous like i'm really into again that the whole universe is a simulation and that i see angel numbers all the time like synchronicities of numbers all the time are you familiar with that? Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know how to interpret them. And people are always like, what's 777 mean? And what's 222 mean? And to me, the meaning is subjective. Like you can't objectively say like 777 always means this. And 111 always means that. I think that's silly. I think that's a scam. But I do think that they have meaning to you. And so I always just kind of thought of them as like a wink from the universe, like a wink from the simulation. Like maybe it's my stepdad that's dead talking to me or maybe all these different things. But recently I've really fucked with the idea that 
first? What if it's yourself kind of like giving yourself that wink or time travel or something like that? But then I was thinking about manifestation and the law of attraction and thinking about your future self. So like right now, if, if I think about myself in law school and how there was a time where I really thought like, I can't do this. Like I'm not called to be this. Like I should just drop out. I should become a nurse. Like I, I just can't handle this anymore. And so if I'm thinking about that thought now and like, I'm thinking like, wow, Maria, like I wish you could have been stronger. I wish you thought like how powerful you were, how courageous you were, how good you were going to be. Like you were going to rock that exam, all these different things. Uh, what if like that is a form of time travel and like that manifestation, that law of attraction comes back to you kind of in that universe. So like when I see a synchronicity, is that really just my future self thinking about something that's happening now and like trying to give myself that boost that I needed? Yeah. Because if you, you know, time is not linear it's all happening at once the future the present, all you have the is past. the moment you know i would say i would say absolutely because that that's pivotal what you just said is pivotal to creating your own reality is understanding that the moment is the only place that really matters and ultimately the past and the present don't really exist and i think that's how i would kind of explain that form of synchronicity in that your soul your higher self is operating outside of the lines of linear time and the past and the present don't exist in that capacity so deja vu moments and little hints and winks from your higher self or your ancestors are definitely you know they're they're happening outside of time i, I think I mean, I don't know. There's definitely a lot to add to that. I think one of the biggest number synchronicities I ever um, had was like my bank pin was on. Um, <laughs> so the Higher Side Chats is like one of my favorite podcasts. If you haven't listened to it, you should definitely check it out uh, okay. and subscribe to the, the Plus membership because you get two parts of the conversation uh, two hours of uh content but on that show i heard about this thing called the bowl meditation b-o-w-l for anyone who can't understand my east coast accent um and the bowl meditation is kind of just this idea that you're visualizing a bowl where your skull is right right here you're, you're pineal gland your third eye would be kind of like the center of the bowl and you just visualize a symbol a symbolic representation of what you want to manifest falling into that bowl so that was a very simple thing for me to visualize and I did that and I, I really you know since it felt so right in the moment I didn't really think much about like what to manifest I just kind of manifested like wealth you know at that time I was thinking like well so I saw like gold coins falling in the bowl right and I like after this. this is this could be helpful to my meditation please yeah definitely try it and tell me how it goes so what happened with me was I forgot that I even did it because I'm listening to the episode I paused the episode 
I do the meditation, visualization, take a few deep breaths, <clears throat> and then go back to listen to the podcast. And a week or two later, I'm working at this farmer's market. At that time, I had a job with a bakery, so I'd be selling bread. And you got to imagine, like, we have three tables, pastries, bread, baguettes, and maybe like five customers at a time. So it's very hectic. It's very like quick, grabbing money, selling people, telling people what each product is quickly, you know. So we're doing the, our thing every Sunday, me and my coworker. And out of nowhere, I'm, ch I'm cutting bread. I'm looking down at the table and I just see like a gold coin fall into frame, you know, like on the table. And I look up and there was nobody standing there. Like whoever just dropped it had walked away or didn't realize they dropped it or whatever. So I saw it, I grabbed it, put it in my pocket. And the thought came over me like, you can either tell your friend about this or you can keep it for yourself. Because my best friend got me the job. He was my manager and coworker. And then I kind of took over and hired him back after he quit. <laughs> so, so I'm working with him and he's also my co-host, uh, actually the guy who's not here today, but, um, but yeah, so I give, I made the decision like, no, I have to share it with Jay. Like I owe him this. So I told him about it. I'm like, dude, look at this, you know, after the farmer's market, somebody dropped this and I explained it to him. And he's like, we have to hold on to it. You know, we can't sell it. Like this is somebody's they're going to come back for it. So I'm like, you're right. You're right. So we wait the next week. Nobody comes for it. We have it. It's in the cash box. Nobody comes for it. Jay, he's very much a rule follower, you know, like I drive a little more reckless than him and he's like the backseat driver, you know, always. So, so he's like, let's just hold on to it one more week. So we hold on to it one more week. Nobody comes at all. Nobody comes. And at this point, I hadn't even remembered that the bowl meditation had anything to do with this. Right. 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 So the third time, the third Sunday after the, we were like, all right, nobody came. Let's sell it. So we go to sell it. It's worth $1,600, right? Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So that was huge. So I was like, all right, we're splitting it. You know, me and him both got $800. Eight is this number of wealth. If you listen to Zachary Hubbard, who did a numer numerology episode, and that was kind of coinciding with that too. I'd known about the number eight at that time. Right. But uh, yeah, so we got that $800 thing and, and it really, I think it would not have happened if I didn't A, make that choice to share it with Jay and B, Jay making that choice to wait for somebody to come back. I think, I honestly think that if I had made the decision to like keep it and not tell anybody that somebody would have came back that next week and been like, hey, uh, I lost this, you know, and you were vibrating higher. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and maybe in your past life or your parallel life or whatever you want to call it, you made the other decision. Uh, but in this lifetime, you're vibrating higher. And and here's the real like crescendo to it all. So I mentioned my bank pin, right? The number code on this, like, because it's like a piece of Swiss gold that each one has its own stamp. My bank pin was on the number. Like it was it was a six digit number. So there was two other digits, but you know, my four digit bank pin was on the thing. So I'm like, Oh my God. You know, like right. that was another. I love synchronicities like that. Like right? I love, I love seeing that and kind of looking back at the universe and being like, 
bitch, I see that. Like, I, I recognize it now. Like, that's like where the numbers just like drive me crazy sometimes. Um, but I'm so sorry, but I have to let you go right now. No, it's I, fine. I had planned to go live on my Discord at nine. Oh, no. I thought we had enough time. Because yeah, no, that's totally my fault. Before. Uh, but I have to go like set it up here in a few minutes. So I had so much fun with you though. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. Maria, thank you so much for joining us on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Swap cast with the My Maria 777 podcast, an amazing podcast. Please go check that out, everyone. Thank you and have a good night. It's bananas. Crazy. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. I'm Don't listen crazy to him. Patreon.com slash NFTIC. That's Patreon.com slash NFTIC.